Hello and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 151. I am Mike Apps, still shocked that the Sonic movie is good. Uh, <laughs> with me as always. Uh, still, I'm just, I'm just going to go back to playing Sonic Mania, David McBurney, Family Master. Good choice. And strangely obsessed with perfecting every single item in Atelier Ryza, Michael Baker, Kaiji Monogatari. Nice. We're out of questions. Let's just get that on the pl- table right there. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm considering the only it's no one else's fault. This is our episode, fault. Uh, like yesterday morning or t- this morning or yeah. whatever time it is over there for you guys. Yeah, I was away all weekend at a wedding, so unfortunately, I could not get it up until this morning. Well, with with that being the case, they better stay together. <laughs> Hopefully, considering this is the uh, <clears throat> second wedding. Oh, well, you know, hopefully. Congratulations to them. Yeah. Forgot there was a third Darksiders until I saw this. (laughs) Well, technically there's a fourth now, which I will be streaming shortly. That one's not called Darksiders 4, though. True. I think that if they made another one... They actually need the number to be considered the fourth game of the series. I'm saying that, like, it seemed like it was a spinoff. It's a prequel. Okay. Just because we can all remember some very decent games that were definitely numbered members of their series, they just didn't have the numbers on them. I almost yeah. feel like we can turn that into a question or discussion. Oh, no. this is sure, let's go! <laughs> so what do you think, Wheels? Uh, let's see. Games without a number. I can think of several, including one or two that did have numbers in Japan. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, are, you, are you talking about perhaps a quarter of some variety? Yes, I figured you would pick it up like this. I mean, that has a number. It's just a different number. No, I mean, it does like actually a have a Roman numeral 5 in Japan. Yeah, I remember. It was actually announced here as 5 as well. So, yeah, the choice of taking the number off is, I don't know why, but it has enabled ages and ages of forum debates over whether or not it was legitimately a member of its own series. We're beating around the bush a lot for something our audience guessed the second that the word quarter happened. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, we know several members of the audience will already know exactly what we were talking about the moment I mentioned the topic. <laughs> uh, that it would have to come around to this. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. It's Breath of Fire. Yes. The best Breath of Fire. Yeah, Dragon Quarter is the best that series has to offer, yeah. and the best a lot of series would have to offer if it was in them. <laughs> True. Yeah. But, but since it was so substantially different from the rest of its series, it is still considered a pariah. Yeah, but I mean, circles. that was inevitable. Yeah, people have lots of terrible opinions. I asked Wheels for some of his most powerful bad opinions earlier, but I don't think they were caught on tape. Uh, no, Sonic 2 is 
or I'm sorry, Sonic Adventure is bad. Sonic Adventure is good. It was one of the many, one of the many reasons I get very angry at the Dreamcast. <laughs> the other was that it broke and burned down your house. Yes. Uh, up to the really up burned to down listener your house? to determine how many, how much of that no. statement was true. <laughs> no, that was the Xbox 360, and it didn't actually burn down my house. It just had the potential to actually do that. In a extraordinarily rare circumstance. Because the power supply melted, so... It did, however, uh, lower the volume. There we go. That, that should be Capcom's next spin-off series, Fire Hazard. <laughs> like, just a bunch of pyro monsters that were engineered by a company with the name, like, Extinguisher or something? Nice. Hey, it's... Just imagine a future where they decide to desocialize the fire service. Oh, no. No, no, I don't... No, okay. Uh, there was a game called Biohazard Fire Zone. That happened... Really? Was it Arrested yeah. Evil? Yeah. Huh. I mean, with a name like that, it would have to be. It was It was Resident Evil Gun Survivor 2 Code Veronica by the time it came out. Ah. <laughs> uh. But, yeah. Briefly known as uh, Biohazard Fire Zone. Interesting. Odd. Uh, let's see. Games. I'm trying to think of, like, RPGs that are numbered that are unnumbered but feel like they should be numbered installments. Um, well, I know one for certain that was not numbered, but it actually is considered the sixth of its series, hmm. and that would be um, actually be Metapod's DS. Oh yeah. So, which I mean, it goes one through five on Game Boy Color, and then starts at seven on D on 3DS. It's very strange. No, Strange Dull, because the DS game is number four. Oh, sorry, number six. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, you, you took out the number once, and then you were like, I regret this decision immediately. <laughs> it's still possibly the best game in the series. Huh. Even stranger. <laughs> I can think of one that no, was... Just the, sorry. I mean, yeah, it... I mean, just improved enough on the previous... on the, uh, sorry, on the uh, Game Boy Color games... And it didn't go... What's the right word here? The 3DS games have very little in-between material. Mm. And the plot just does not hold up very well. Plus, I'm kind of ticked off that they just decided to rehash the basic plot of the DS game number 7 again and did it poorly. <sighs> Well, that uh, that sounds like... Well, that's... I guess I'll put it, that's far from the saddest thing that happened to Metabots in that era. Yeah. But still, a shame. Uh, I was going to say, I can think of one that was numbered that probably shouldn't have been. Hmm? Oh, which one? Saga 3. Yeah, they fixed that. They rectified that. They did, end, but. yes. <clears throat> but originally it was a very, like, I don't know what, uh, what you're playing out there. So, yeah, but that's also a case where they just gave it to a completely different production company for a bit. Yeah, which is why it feels even stranger that they made that choice. Let's see. 
Well, the Siren Song of Sonic is really getting at wheels today. It's a good film, man. Got some good <laughs> yeah, robotics. Well, go, go play the City Escape level. That's what I was going to do. Nice. But, uh... It just does feel kind of weird to hear that the Sonic movie turned out right after all. Yeah. yeah. Well, Don't think anyone really expected that. We should probably give his opinions at some, in a broader sense at some stage of this podcast. Yeah, I'm going to do that right now when I'm thinking of it. <laughs> the, the, weird, <laughs> the weird thing to think about is, really, if it had come out with the original horrifying Sonic, it still would have been a good movie. <laughs> It just Yeah, but it probably would have been harder to empathize with Sonic. <laughs> it would have, but I mean, as far as I know, unless they made like some kind of other weird edits, which as far as I know they did not, it would have been the same it would largely have the to same movie. Voice re-recording if they were going to make edits like yeah. that, so the speed But yeah, like yeah. the fundamentals are probably the same, but it it does it wouldn't it would hurt to understate how important it is for Sonic to not be a horrifying gremlin. Yes. <laughs> because he's the character you're supposed to like. Otherwise, uh, Robotnik would probably be the hero of that movie. Listen, if Jim Carrey does kill it. mustache would be the hero. Yeah. <laughs> he was uh, originally conceived as the hero. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Jim Carrey was Jim carrying the hell out of that movie, and it was great. Man, that pun was awful, and I hate it. Um, but yeah, the worst like, part is you actually know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But yeah, like I, I, I don't know how it got as far along as it did with the design that it had at one point. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, the one legitimately thing, confusing. Yeah, the one thing I would say about this movie is people seem to me. I guess rightfully so, making lots of comparisons to uh, Detective Pikachu. And I would say Detective Pikachu is more like a faithful, we're bringing this video game world to the big screen. And mm-hmm. we could talk a lot about how, oh, it's, you know, pairing a digital character with a non-digital character or whatever. But, and they're both cops. <laughs> right. But this is obviously more of a departure from the actual actual video game it's based on. Although lots of whereas, the humor and stuff Detective, is there. Whereas Detective Pikachu is more like pairing a human and a video game character in the video character's own actual world. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's more of pairing the person to the world rather than pairing the video game character to Earth. Right. So I, I want to make that disclaimer because I think some people may go in... Well, you've seen the trailers. So they shouldn't go in expecting that. But yeah, there's not a lot of... If you were expecting to see more of like Sonic's world, uh, you do not see much of it. It's it's pretty much 100% on Earth. Uh, that being said, Green Hills, Montana. Yes. <laughs> that being said, it's a hell of a lot of fun. It captures a lot of the humor and spirit of Sonic, I'd say. And yeah, it's it's extremely entertaining, and that's really I would say all I ever go to the movies ex- expecting, but um, this really captures a lot of this, the spirit of Sonic and gets in like little little nods uh, that fans of the video game series will enjoy without like 
really alienating anyone that didn't enjoy the movie. Like my mom came to see the movie and she really, she, <laughs> she really liked it. So let, let us all mourn the Sonic movies that never got past the pitch process that are all completely insane sounding. <laughs> should I, should I dare I go into this? Sure. Let me just dare dare. Let me just let mention. Me let me just mention a few more things about this movie. Okay. Like, uh, James Marsden, who I think is really fun, uh, is great. And I don't think the movie would have worked as well with a lesser actor in that role. Like, he does a really good job. Mm-hmm. And it, That's it's, a hard acting job to do when you're yes. talking to something that's not there. Yes, it's hard to have chemistry with a CG character that is not there while <laughs> while you're acting. Uh, and and thankfully, they, they pulled that off very well, so kudos to that. Uh, they should have got Bob Hoskins in from the grave. Uh, Actually, is Bob Hoskins still alive? No, he's been dead for years. Darn it. Uh, I think my favorite thing, before I, before I dive into failed Sonic movie pitches, I want to bring up my favorite thing that I have ever read and I have tried to verify and I can't recall if the sources I found were good or not, but there was a claim that at one point Danny DeVito was offered the role of Mario in the Mario movie, and he rejected it on the premise that they wouldn't let him also direct it. <laughs> oh my god, he really would should... look the part. <laughs> oh my god, I want to see that movie now. Yeah. So Danny DeVito's so... Mario Brothers, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, variously, the there seem to have been a few documented attempts at Sonic movies that uh, never really went anywhere. Uh, like, a lot of them don't go past, like, very preliminary pitches that no one wanted to entertain. Uh, there's one that's heavily tied into the idea of Sonic is literally escaping the video game Sonic Extreme. Oh God! Which bad? think about think about how doomed that concept is. <laughs> Sonic Extreme very much did not come out. Uh, <laughs> just the idea, like that, like if that film had actually gone into production, it might have forced Sega to give the game the kind of development support it would have needed to finish but at the same time it might have also killed its programmer so <laughs> uh, it, the ironic thing about that is I went to see the movie wearing a Sega Saturn shirt gonna that <laughs> of course you did well, well I did and then I realized oh there was like there was no real Sonic games on Sega Saturn what am I doing <laughs> there's a really strange port of 3D Blast yeah uh, that yeah no, let's not there, talk about that. It came. Oh man, no! I want to talk about that for just one moment Ugh. because the release date timing for it is fascinating. The uh, port of Sonic 3D Blast to Saturn was originally made as like a oh no, so, like Sonic Extreme is canceled. We have to put a Sonic on on Saturn, and so they did that in a very short turnaround time. But it took a very, very long time for them to decide to release that version in Japan. 
Want to want to take a guess how long? Ten years. No, no. Eight years. I got it. Okay. It came out on the Saturn in Japan in 1999. Wow. October of 1999, <laughs> which is to say, by the time it came out, Sonic Adventure was out in the U.S. <laughs> what the hell? I have no idea what the thought process was. That's so Sega. That Sega. But yeah, there's the other Sonic movie pitch that has some documentation on it that's really funny is uh, one that was to follow on from the Saturday morning cartoon but seemed very confused about what its potential audience was going to be. By which I mean it starts with the planet exploding. Oh. (laughs) It was called Sonic Armageddon. I don't think it got past a couple of bits of concept art and one of the writers for the old Sonic comics making a pitch video in his house. Interesting. I don't think that any executive that that got put in front of would have even bothered going past the first 30 seconds, but I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, didn't go past that, but actually very funny in terms of having a very confused theoretical audience. Because this would have been, this was being, this was a follow-on from the Saturday morning cartoon being pitched in the early 2000s. Wow. Okay. No guesses. No guesses. Yeah, that uh, that obviously went nowhere. Uh, Sonic is a confused beast. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. There, there was a very cool thing at the beginning of the movie that was just the Sega logo. So, like, it starts out where it's a bunch of videos of different Sega games, like including like Valkyria Chronicles was weird to see on the big screen. That might screen. be the most advertising that Valkyrie Chronicles has ever gotten in a US. Yeah, but I mean, there was that. You could see, like, some Shining Force in there. I, I and When I inevitably get on a home video, I'm going to have to, like, pause it and see what's in there. But Shining Force. It was, it was really cool. Like, it brought a tear to my eye. It was really freaking cool. And it was just the Sega logo. <laughs> but good I on, have heard that, good I on have whoever heard put Kiri that together. Yes, yes. Yakuza was definitely strongly represented there. Good. It already has a movie, and a movie worth seeing, but still. <laughs> Good to hear. Yeah, uh, and uh, yes, strong sequel hooks at the end of the movie as well. I've heard that. I'm curious what they are. I can spoil it if you want. We should probably do that off mic. <laughs> okay. Some people might actually want to see this yes. film that are in our audience. Yes, so now and I it would have been annoyed if someone spoiled it, spoiled it for me. Although I expected it. <laughs> you expected some sort of sequel. Yes. And it was the one I expected. Hmm. Okay, well I have a lot that I could expect, so I'll ask you later. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so thumbs up, B+. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, solid B plus. I don't think it was as good as Detective Pikachu, but it's also kind of like very different, silly, dumb, fun movie, and it's hella entertaining. And what the hell else do you want? (laughs) 
I mean, okay, I think I, it's a Sonic movie. Yeah, <laughs> I think some people expect way too much from movies sometimes, where it's a lot of them. A lot of times, it's just a, it's supposed to be something to entertain you for from like ninety minutes for ninety minutes or so. Play Modern Chemical Plant. Um, yeah, no, ninety minutes. That's I would. Yeah, I'm also. I'm hoping that it. That is not just an estimate, and the film has the good sense to not be two hours long like many films are now. Uh, no, um, it is not. Good, good. Like, that that might be the thing that I actually resent things like uh, the Avengers doing, which is convincing people that their attempt at a blockbuster needs to be unreasonably long. Yes. That everything needs to be the next Lord of the Rings. Thank you, thank you. Listen, I love Return of the King. That movie's way too fucking long. <laughs> all of them. All three of them are like three hours long. It's it's true, and I love them very dearly. Yeah. They're very, they are very long. They have much better excuses than most. Yes, and if you're wondering, yes, I have watched them all in one day, and I, I did, it was it was a lot. <laughs> I remember there were uh, people I knew that would do that. It's just sort of like, yeah, that's what I'm doing this weekend. It's like, can't imagine doing that with my time but you know i'm also the one that will play a video game for 12 hours so i don't get to complain (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah sonic play some sonic uh sonic generations is on sale for 10 bucks right now on xbox live wheels and is xbox one compatible why did you have to tell me that it was a 2011 video game. <sighs> it was the Sonic's 20th anniversary game. No. Shut up. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're saying, is Sonic 30 next year? Yeah. <sighs> Sonic officially start, has to start getting like, going to the doctor just a little more often. He's not to the point where he has to worry about it too much, but just a little. Just can. That reminds me, I haven't gone to the doctor in a while. I should probably get, go for a long overdue physical. Anyway. <laughs> there is a... I mean... Come on, let's do it. I mean, like, his 20th birthday was a lot better than his 15th. Which was uh, Sonic 06 and Sonic Riders releasing on the same day. Oof. And then the worst version of the original Sonic the Hedgehog releasing on the, in, like, the same month. Maybe the same day. If you don't know which one that is, it's the Game Boy Advance one. If you've never seen that, listener, you're in for a ride when you go look it up on YouTube. (laughs) Sonic the Hedgehog Genesis is a... I don't think it's possible to screw up a port harder. It's so... It's shadow is so big that I... It took me a while to remember that, oh, this DS collection of Sonic games is not bad, because I kept mistaking it for the, the It is Game not Advanced that thing. one. Yes, it's not that one. Like, that one... Oh, the technical background of that one is hilarious, because it's just them trying... It was supposedly, under the hood, it's the attempt to port Sonic 1's, like, level data into the Sonic Advance engine. Oh, dear lord. Doesn't work. Not really built to do that. Different physics. Uh, not recommended. Don't attempt it. 
this has been too much Sonic now to talk about bootleg Sonic games to follow on from the bootleg discussion last episode. Because uh, no one had enough time to ask me not to. Also, we haven't <laughs> talked about any RPGs, so I think it's time to talk about... Sonic Chronicles? Yes. <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> well, uh, probably not, because I've only played about the first half an hour of it or so. I finished it. It's awful. <laughs> so it's maybe the worst about thing I ever played. 3,000% more Sonic games than I ever have. <laughs> as, uh, as someone aware of the contents of Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem, maybe the worst thing that Bioware has ever been attached to. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta disagree with you there. Anth- I haven't played Anthem. Anthem. Is, Anthem is really bad, man. Like yeah, I haven't played it. It, That's why this I said is kind of like me. arguing over which is the shinier of the two turds, you know? Yeah, well... Yeah, I'm just saying, like... Anthem is very pretty, and it has a very good ideas for combat, and is very, 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 very bad. It's so very with Sonic, Sonic is very <laughs> ugly, has awful, awful, awful music. Somehow, it's like the only Sonic game with bad music. Like that and freaking Sonic Spinball. Uh, the combat is terrible. The controls are off. <laughs> the story is almost non-existent. <coughs> I still. Be, be, so I, I guess yeah. we can all agree that the current holder for best recent Sonic game is Sonic and Mario at the whatever Olympics he cared to choose. Uh, no, Sonic I... Mania would still hold that. Yeah, title. Mania. That's from like 2017. That's yeah. recent enough. Uh, okay. Sonic Mania is uh, oof, it's something special. Yeah, absolutely go play that. That's probably also on sale. Yeah. Um, uh, my other Sonic recommendations are to listen to the soundtrack of Sonic Adventures 1 and 2. <laughs> uh, uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of good Sonic music in a lot of the modern games, like Sonic Colors... Yeah, but Sonic Forces. Sonic. Say what you will about that game; it's got some fun tracks. It's a fun. Game. Yeah, but what I was going to say was, you can't sing to most of them, though. True. Meanwhile, <clears throat> City Escape. It has, been, it has been twenty years, and I still cannot stop singing the freaking Big the Cat theme. So. Oh God, Big the Cat. And it's a peaceful and sunny day, and I can hear the faint sound of distant. Okay, I'll stop. Uh, but no, it's good. Recommended. Uh, whether you like the games or not. Um, yes. Uh, and speaking of other Sonic stuff, uh, Sonic Boom, the cartoon, is brilliant, and you should check it out if you haven't. Probably the best Sonic cartoon. Absolutely. There's a lot of like Sonic cartoons of like incredibly varying quality. Yes. <laughs> Although somehow there's never been a bad interpretation of Robotnik. Nope. <laughs> he is fun in great. all of them. He has a good voice in all of them. Even like the <laughs> terrible corny cartoon, he is pretty great. The the first like corny cartoon because there's a few yes. corny cartoons. No, yeah, the original. The one that's trying to be like a Roadrunner Bugs Bunny cartoon that's not really working because it doesn't have the animation or the pacing to make it work. That one, yeah. That one's... I. There are aspects of that I like in terms of, like, this is what honestly kind of makes sense for a Sonic cartoon, but yeah. Um, 
But yeah, that one that one he's voiced by like Long John Baldry. Huh. Who not voice didn't even voice him in the other contemporaneous Sonic cartoon from the same time. <laughs> But who was like an English blues singer who I don't think did a lot of voice acting to begin with. And yet, here we are. Did a few... uh, Yeah, he he did some voice acting basically starting in the late 80s. And that was kind of it. Very strange, very strange. Good interpretation, though. All right, we should probably get off Sonic before we put Mike to sleep, though. No, oh, that's fair. <laughs> Too late. You can probably use the rest anyway to be fair. Yeah. But yeah, I get. <laughs> hey, it's it's not nearly my bedtime yet, unlike uh, some people. Uh, in actual RPG news, I fired up Snack World this weekend. Oh, how is that? It is um, interesting. the The intro music is a song about pork chops. That's not a snack. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, yeah, you know. It's... Like, pork chops officially cross the line into <laughs> meal. <laughs> yeah, but it's like this joyous, honest, earnest song about how pork chops are great, and I'm very confused, but whatever. I kind of disagree. I'm not big on pork chops. <laughs> yeah, me but neither. Pork chops are great. <laughs> Bad taste, snack world. Uh, but yeah, it's got like uh-huh. a... It's it's level five, so you obviously know the game is going to look pretty good, and it's got a it'll be it'll be style that kind it. of uh, children's s- anime cute art style. Exactly. It'll be so stupidly punny that you will want to rip your eyes out. Yes, that's why I'm probably going to enjoy. <laughs> it reacts uh, to the inner dad and all. Yes, yeah, uh, it seems pretty punny and pretty pretty simple for the most part, but. Not terrible, so we'll see how it goes. Sounds like a level 5 kids game. Yeah, you can make your own character, you do some dungeon crawling, everyone has cell phones. Um, your trainer for like the the intro is like is a Cinderella who seems unable to talk and then suddenly transforms into a drill sergeant. So that's the thing. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Good to know she has other things going on in her life. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it seems decent, and I'm glad that it eventually came over. Uh, although the the pace the pace at which all these level five games are coming over is very strange. They just had like stopped bothering for a while, and then they were suddenly like, "Oh, we're kind of between like cash cow franchises. It's time yeah. to start up again." But it's, it seems like every yeah. every game, every level five game we get is like two years late. I, yeah, they, I think it's Yo-Kai like watched... everyone else does like worldwide launches by this point, where it's yeah. like, "Oh, something will be here within like six months to a year," and then level five is still on like the old schedule of like eh, two three years <sighs> later. I mean, wasn't yeah, wasn't Yokai like, Watch three like at least three years later? At like, least Yokai Watch one was like three years. Yeah, later. that's true. And... Let's see. I I remember, or I, I know that um, Fantasy Life was so much later that I actually reviewed it because we assumed it would never come out. 
yeah, like, oh, it's weird. I don't understand what's going on with level five yeah. in some sense. I mean, Sackworld Sac was a, something I remember seeing on like PlayAsia or something a while ago, wondering what the hell it, it was. was. It was originally out in like 2017, I think. Yeah. yeah. On 3DS. Yeah. Very strange. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's see. So uh, any idea? Any idea who picked up the copy of Hero Must Die for review? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't. I, I know there was one available. <laughs> I know it's not available now, so somebody must have picked it up. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm curious to see what they think of that one. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. But speaking of reviews, somebody reviewed Saga Scarlet Grace. Somebody. Almondine. Yeah. Yay, thank you, dude. And, yeah, he actually asked me to take a look at it. Nice. Just to get, like, another Saga fan's perspective. And it's a absolutely well-written review. He gave it a 4 out of 5, which is correct. Which is about right, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'd probably rate it higher, but I should probably also not four be reviewing this. Yes, it's fine. It's, it's also like, I should probably not re- be reviewing this game anyway. <laughs> We bring. We, we are bring... not the kind of people who. Just because we are, what weird. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like that's that's kind of the the fun intersection that choosing to review something has is like, I'm a huge fan of this. Does that help me? Uh, will will that help someone reading this review, or will it just cause me to write something incredibly unhelpful? Yes. I, I've had to do that in a few reviews. I, I remember my Metal Saga review is like, yeah, if you want an actual decent review, check out our original one. This is mostly me just talking about how or trying to reassure you that the later games in the series were much better. <laughs> so. Then I think that's also the reason why I recused myself from writing a review for Nino Cooney on PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, that would have just been like a laundry list of disappointments that no one would have had context for. So. Yeah. Yeah. Save it for the backtrack. Save it for fresh eyes. Uh, let's see. This is also why I can't actually uh, review things like Super Robot Wars that I'm currently playing. It's just like, Wait, well, I really like go. this show, and it has a good series list. <laughs> That's not helpful. <laughs> but it's a question of, will they get any other reviews for this game? Fair, fair. I mean, if I can reasonably say that nobody else on the English internet is going to be reviewing this game ever, then I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, but Super Robot Wars comes out in English now, so some places do actually review it now. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're the only one that's going to know anything about, I don't know, something about stickers that we got released on the DS. Yeah. I forget what that thing's name is. Laser Drive? Was that it? Yeah. got a different one. Okay. That was Laser Drive. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm talking about, about obscure monster tactics on Game Boy Color where our site yeah. still has the most, or has the largest collection of screenshots for that game. <laughs> Because I managed to locate the, its original homepage on the N- Nintendo site. The only way that anyone was going to get screens. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, a few screens existed, but they were all of the town at the top of the game, where 
there are uh, and it had no combat screens. If you check out GameFAQ's listing on it, you won't find any combat screens. <laughs> no one wanted to dig far enough into it to reach that. Oh no, they're all based off the same original um, press release that oh, only had man. a couple screens on it, and nobody realized that it wasn't showing anything <laughs> worth mentioning. That's beautiful. So, of course, what did I do when I actually had the screenshots? Mm-hmm. Since one first screenshot was the characters looking left with the flashlight, and the second one was them looking right with the flashlight, and then the third one was a scanner thing. It was like, so I just started, um, so I paraphrased the song The Joker. <laughs> that monsters to the left of me, demons to the right, here I am stuck in a scanner with you. Stuck in the middle of you. It's like, yeah, I mean, there's not much else I could do with that. Yeah. Captions are hard. Or really fun. Yeah, um, it depends. If you get Eagle something good... Heroes, where all my captions were quotes from the song Kung Fu Fighting. Everybody was Kung Fu Fighting. And that's why we're in the and process so of being And so is my blur for the review. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I guess we can probably fill out some time with what we've been playing. <laughs> Well, like I said at the very beginning, I'm still in Rise. I'm going into what should be the last level. Nice. I've heard that one is a little less lengthy than some of the other ones. But... I mean, it's it's got a more focused narrative than the first half of the series ever did. Mm-hmm. And it's actually trying to do stuff. And it is a lot better than Sophie was. A tragic, mysterious series. <laughs> yep. Oh, it happens from time to time. It just hasn't happened to anything that was brought over in English before. Yeah. Just put the word secret hideout in every one of the new ones. I want that to be what the series is known as. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how they name the series. Mm -hmm. But yeah, still positive on that one? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I think we got a review up for that that was pretty positive. Yep. So it got a um, a total of a thirty-four out of forty on Famitsu's cross reviews, mm-hmm. which is pretty good actually. Mm-hmm. And what have you been playing, Wheels? Other than things I'm staring at you playing. Uh, so I. Friday I picked up both Snack World and Darksiders Genesis uh, which (coughs) it's got like the top down Diablo look to it although it Mm -hmm. doesn't seem to have like leveling or um, well we'll see I think it has a skill tree or something like that Uh, but it's it's been pretty fun it it actually plays a lot like uh, some of the Darksiders games just like from that Diablo perspective Hmm. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, on the Switch, yeah, it's a little. Say the camera's kind of feels a little too far back. On this, was playing mm-hmm. on the Switch Lite. Uh, so I'm hoping they patch some kind of change into for that. But it's for it's usually not too bad. But it it mm-hmm. it, it does feel like your character. You can get kind of lost in things. Yeah, your character feels like they're a little too small on the screen. But I imagine playing on a TV, that's not a problem at all. Yeah. Uh, 
So that's specifically a port portable, and maybe just on the Switch Lite, maybe it's not as bad on the normal Switch, uh, but it was definitely noticeable. But other than that, it's been pretty fun, uh, and finally get to spend some time with the fourth horseman, so definitely something fans I of the series will enjoy. I'm still furious about the choices they made for what they call these horsemen. <laughs> Why is that? Oh, what, what do they call them this time? Uh, in Darksiders? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. It's war, Death, Fury, and Strife. Fury should should never have been a name chosen. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's the fourth one? Strife. Strife. That is just war again! <laughs> just by the by. Mm-hmm. Genesis is a game starring <laughs> War and Strife. <laughs> uh, now, to be fair, how to render the names of these things in English is not always agreed upon. Mm-hmm. At the same time, mm-hmm. definitely shouldn't be those. <laughs> True. Although this is very much loosely based on any that of that. That makes them more boring. Okay. That's fair. Think of what you can do with pestilence. I agree. Think of it. No, I, I agree. <laughs> I would enjoy some pestilence. It's a very wonderful magic card. <laughs> nope, not asking. I'm hitting wheels with a pithing needle. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, even a lot of Magic players uh, won't get that because that card hasn't been reprinted in ages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I've been trying trying to finish up some stuff in Xenoblade Chronicles too because I want to get that game off my backlist before the remaster of one comes out. So you don't feel bad about playing one twice. Right. Uh, and I got stuck at a boss, so I'm kind of doing some side quests and stuff and that. And then once that's done, I'm going to finally fire up some Atelier. It should be fun. Which one? Um, the first one in the Dusk series. Asha. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that's loaded up on my Switch Lite and ready to go. Yeah, one of the one of the things I am kind of missing from the, the Dusk series is Gust's appro- interesting approach to soundtracks for those three games. Mm. Where they literally hired some of the brightest lights in Japanese indie music. Interesting. Oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that why it's got the uh, intro music is a lot different than what I'm used to? Yeah. Oh yeah, and wait till you get to the final boss music. It's kind of it's kind of the chillest final boss music you will have ever heard. <laughs> it's awesome gonna... music. It's just like okay, um, we're used to hearing pounding um, beats and heavy metal riffs and other things from final bosses, and this is a four chord power ballad. <laughs> no, I'm super into that. I'm all about that. Oh, it's an excellent song. I really need to get around to the Dust games. Those are the ones I swore to myself. Once they were on Switch, I would finally take the dive on Adelier. Go for it, go for it. I just gotta make sure I got the money for it. I'll work it out. Oh, there's that. Yeah. Uh, 
Meanwhile, do you guys want to hear something I'm pissed off about or something I'm actually enjoying? Enjoying. Enjoying okay. first. There's time for pissed off later. Yeah. Uh, well, I made it as I made it clear earlier, I picked back up Super Robot Wars T. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I just got to some of my favorite uh, favorite series that they have just entered the plot. Uh, specifically, in this case, Magic Knight Ray Earth and uh, Aim for the Top. How does Magic Knight Ray Earth fit into that? Uh, they, so, this is, let's get esoteric. Uh, they, <laughs> uh, they uh, well, Aura Battler Dunbine is in there, which already takes place on, like, this weird fantasy Earth, so they implied that Magic has tied that fantasy Earth and Ray Earth's, like, uh, fantasy world together which allows them to enter the plot along with Dunbine. Now, I was, actually I'm trying to remember if, if Magic Knight's Ray Earth even had Mecha. It does. Okay. Uh, the the Ray, the titular Ray Earth is a giant robot. Okay, I never actually watched that far into the series to Yeah, it doesn't show up until like episode 20. <laughs> I remember that they had like enchanted armor that leveled up similar to an RPG mechanic. Oh yeah, rare. If you watch the first, so like, <laughs> the frustrating thing about rare is that the first half of it, uh, which is adapting three volumes of manga, is twenty episodes. That's kind of like it's stretching out material, but it's doing it okay. There's a lot of just like, let's just do like you would do in a Super Nintendo RPG, where they just run into another town or like side quest and do that, mm-hmm. and that's fun. And then the next uh, 30 episodes are adapting another three volumes of manga, and they don't have any idea how to fill 30 episodes doing that. And so the last 30 episodes are a dreary slog. (laughs) But the first 20 episodes are very fun and full of, like, evidence that Clamp and uh, presumably at least some of the people writing the anime adaptation were very into 16-bit era RPGs. (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, so yeah first season highly recommended Uh, second season enter at your own peril Uh, but yeah so Ray Earth just entered the plot uh, along with a very strange take on the plot of Aura Battler Dunbine if anyone knows what that is but uh, and then uh, the other one that entered the plot like two missions later that made me really excited was uh, Aim for the Top Gunbuster, mm-hmm. which uh, early Gynax series, uh, very... Uh, it definitely showcases the kinds of things that Gynax would end up creating, but on a very accelerated time scale because it's only six episodes long. <laughs> but... Very fun, very strange. Uh, worth seeing. Uh, also, its title is a reference to two very disparate properties that they apparently liked a lot. Uh, Aim for the Top is a combination of Aim for the Ace, a 70s tennis manga, and Top Gun. There's <laughs> <laughs> so. weirder stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, the first episode really sets 
the mix of drama and comedy it's intending to go for by having the main character narrate about her dad being lost in space for who knows how long. But also, uh, she gets she is being bullied for not being able to pilot a robot well enough to essentially to make it jog and jump rope. <laughs> okay. It is a strange series. And then by the end it has a very emotional uh, ending by the end of the sixth episode. Very strange. Very strange. Uh, Very, very deeply 80s. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, that one also just entered the plot. One of its uh, attacks is to create a giant ball of energy and then pull out a comically like giant 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 baseball bat and hit the ball of energy at an enemy like part of the part of the thing that makes that funny is that the scale gunbuster is working at is ridiculous I as believe ridiculous it, as Gurren Lagann it, it's very much in the same wheelhouse. Like, oh dear lord! Okay. Like, the gunbuster itself is like I can't remember if it's canonically like a hundred meters or three hundred meters tall. Like it's gigantic, but you know, like it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's good. It's uh, yeah, man. Yeah, although, like, I guess Gurren Lagann probably... It gets bigger when you're dealing with, like, the movie, which made the the dang thing, like, galaxy-sized, but... <sighs> but, yeah, those are those are both Gynaxes, uh, so there's a certain uh, through line, even though they are very different parts of Gynax. <laughs> so something in common aside from oversized breasts? Yeah, yeah. Definitely has some of those, though. So you know. You I mean, when when your studio name becomes a verb re- in reference to the mis- misattribution of attributes, um, yeah. No escape. No escape. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, that's been fun. I've been diving back into that. Uh, but no one wants to hear me uh, rhapsodize too much about how I think Mike Gein was fun. So we'll uh, move on from that. As for the bad thing I played, uh, I dipped my toe into something that is not an RPG. This was a remake of the Crash Bandicoot kart racing game, which Mm -hmm. seems like it is well-produced, except for the fact that every race takes a minute to load into. I like that game, although, yes, you're right, the loading times are way too long. Also, when I played the medium difficulty of the adventure mode, I found it to be just completely impossible. Yep. I have no idea what the, <laughs> what the hell is going on with that game's balancing, but medium is probably way too hard. Easy is probably way too easy. Mm-hmm. So, so what's a happy medium here? There isn't one. <laughs> but There's it's, a Whoopi Goldberg, yes. Okay. Which was which was kind of sad, uh, because it seems like the actual production is good, but 
its pace feels completely ruined by both of those things. Uh, but your mileage may vary. I know many people love it, <laughs> including wheels. Apparently, I don't love it. It's very, it's very good. It's just, yeah, it's a little. <coughs> Unless you want to play on super easy mode, and sometimes it's too hard. Even then, um, you got to get good. <laughs> and it's yeah, uh, I refuse. And that can be hard because it's not as forgiving as Mario Kart, where hey, you get stuck on a wall and the game will, you know, pull you back out into the main course. This game does not. So, yeah. It can be rough. Yeah. It can yeah. be rough, but, I mean, it, it's it's pretty good. It's well-produced. It's way better than uh, Nickelodeon Kart Racer. That is the faintest praise you could possibly <laughs> damn a kart racer with. <laughs> Uh, it is better than the most recent Sonic Racing game. Okay, that's not super faint. <laughs> yeah. That game was fine. <laughs> it was not as good as the Sonic Racing game that preceded it. By like seven years. What, Sonic in All Stars Racing Transformed? Yeah. Is that that old? That was a Wii U launch game. Yeah, no, time keeps on slipping into the future. I hate you. <laughs> now I've got that song stuck in my head. Into the future. Who does that song again? Now oh, why am I blanking on their names? Uh, no, I'm... Getting, uh, is it Steve Miller Band? Sounds about right. Yeah. Oh lord, this game's gonna turn eight this year. Ugh. Okay. Everybody super sound great soon. Gonna get your feet right on the ground. Yeah, I think this is mostly turned into us and us grappling with our mortality game. Scroll through my. I'll do random stuff. Um, my other go-to game for when I just need to fill time is just doing random battles on Saga Scarlet Grace. Mm. Oh, nice. So I'm I'm slowly slowly working my way through Urpina's route. However, I've hit one of the major bosses of her scenario. And um, I was joking on Discord earlier, or a couple days ago, that I wasn't sure how to translate this monster's name correctly, because it was either Master of the Earth Serpents or that ugly, scaly bastard. <laughs> yeah, those, those seem like it would be hard to translate both of those with the same uh, thought processes in English. Yeah. They're both qu equally true, however. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is just something I thought was interesting that I saw in video game news. Uh, a couple of uh, games that have not yet been announced for Switch seem to have been mm. rated in Korea. Both of okay. which have interesting implications. 
Which two? Uh, currently, Catherine Fullbody and XCOM 2. Mm. That's an interesting pair, okay. Yeah. Uh, XCOM 2 is mostly interesting because uh, I believe that was published by, like, Take 2 or 2K? I can't, 2K. No, wait, they're the same company. They're yeah, the same 2, 2K. Uh, they seem to be continuing to start uh, plumbing through their catalog with the also leaked via a rating, and I'm not sure if it's yet been announced, uh, Bioshock Collection... I'm wondering at what point that uh, at what point they convince Rockstar to start porting old Grand Theft Autos. Seems like it should happen at some point. Uh, as for Catherine Fullbody, that one's interesting in part because it would mean that a version of the Persona 5 engine now exists on the Switch. <laughs> because, as it turns out, when they... Uh, so original Catherine was made on an engine called Gamebryo, which was licensed from everyone's favorite bug factory, Bethesda. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why it was made on Gamebryo. Is that really what they made questions. that on? They, nev- they never made another game on Gamebryo. <laughs> but as, I have know, many it, questions. Yeah, I have a thousand questions and no answers. Uh, how, how many of these questions start with the word why? All of them. Uh, basically all, all of them. <laughs> There's a few that are more like what in the hell, but, you know, that's not really a cogent question. Uh, but, yeah, when they were when they were reproducing it as Catherine Fullbody, they ported it into the Persona 5 engine. Because why not? Okay. Because I guess that is an engine that they would, un- like, at that point, like, Porting forward Gamebryo, which I don't know if it has any official support outside of Bethesda itself on the PS4, Xbone, Switch, uh, leads me to would have probably been a pain. So port it into the in-house engine they control and already know. But now that engine has an extant Switch fork, which it was not known to have yet. So. Come on, guys, you are releasing a Musou game that acts as a direct sequel to Persona 5 on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, yeah, I'm just waiting for them to do it so I can buy it. It's, and it's, it's fine. Just they're, they're just going to announce Persona 5 Scramble 2 for the Switch. Persona 5 Scramble Crossing. Um, oh, man, that does remind me that... Uh, the uh, they also like an Atlas USA representative just basically like mentioned in an interview like you know I'd like to see it too don't stop asking for it so that's never a good thing to tell the internet <laughs> yeah no it, it caused a bunch of hashtags to trend about uh, <laughs> Walk five on Twitter mm-hmm. I mean the Shocking. internet. The internet's already going to have the wrong idea after the success of the Sonic movie now, so... The internet has got so many strange bad ideas. Yes. But yeah, this was in the same uh, time that they were talking about some of the localization changes they were making to Royal, so... And they seemed to have done, like, a preview event in general. People were uh, talking about, like, the addition of the grappling hook to the game and things like that. So, yeah, you know, hopefully sometime before the end of the year we hear word of a Persona 5 Royal Switch 
Hey, if Trails of Cold Steel can do it, Atlas, you can too. <laughs> if Trails of Cold Steel 3 without 1 and 2 can do it. It's it's fine. I mean, the Switch is basically the Vita 2. <laughs> Just a continuum. Yeah. Well, it certainly has enough Vita games appearing on it now. That's true. Yeah. Like, it's where all the Vita developers went. <laughs> But it's also, it's just a weird situation where other developers also went there, unlike the Vita. Yeah. I'm sorry to kick a corpse like this. Well, Sony, Sony dug its own grave. Practically dug, immediately after it launched. <laughs> Sony dug a new grave and kicked the poor thing in there. Hey, guys. I no, could've... I just lined it up in front of the grave and shot it. Yeah. Hey guys, I got a great idea. Let's make this cool portable with an awesome screen, and instead of you know supporting it with great software, let's give it a touchpad in the back and force everyone to use that. Oh, that touchpad! Remember that Uncharted game it launched with that you had oh, to boy. use touchscreen gestures to punch? There's a rowing section. Did you know what? that? No. <laughs> Did you know that? How did it work? I don't. I'm. I don't remember, and I don't really want to remember. Locked it out for your own yeah. protection. Yeah. Uh, I guess I should have asked. How didn't it work? Uh, it didn't work via button prompts. I can tell you that. <laughs> I remember Not sniping. So. It's also somehow controlled by the touchpad. Probably. I'm just remembering playing Darkest Dungeon on the Vita. And the only way to switch between party members in battle or on map screen is by the rear uh, touch area. Oof. And it took me the longest time to figure out how I was doing this to begin with, because it was just the way I was holding the Vita was accidentally <laughs> switching. I couldn't figure out how. Um, to the point where when I did that joke, um, that joke Lovecraftian review of it last year, I actually made it a symptom of my ever-growing insanity involving this game with I don't know how I am controlling it or what is controlling these characters anymore. <sighs> hey, Wheels, remember Uncharted Fight for Fortune? No, I didn't play it. It was an Uncharted card game. <laughs> yeah. So Uncharted, nobody knows where it went now. Yeah, no, that one's that one. I don't think anyone actually played it. Strategic turn-based card game based on the Uncharted series, released on December fourth, twenty twelve. Just, just bizarre. I don't. Made by Sony Bend, same ones who did the Golden Abyss game for Vita. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no guesses. Uh, yeah. Rest in peace, the Vita. Uh, let's see. Oh, hey wheels. This is this is something you might find amusing. Uh. Did you uh, hear that a build of StarCraft Ghost leaked? Really? Yep. For those who don't recall, uh, early to mid-aughts ephemera, 
StarCraft Ghost was an announced spinoff of StarCraft that was to be a combination stealth game third-person shooter for PS2, Xbox, and GameCube. Okay. It was announced in 2002, canceled after a very tortured development in 2006, and a build of it for the Xbox leaked onto the internet last month. Mm. And Activision is in the process of desperately attempting to uh, DMCA take down any videos of it that appear on YouTube. Sounds about right. Well, that's but, not suspicious at all. Huh? But I saw some of them. Yay! And? It looked bad. <laughs> I understand why it was cancelled. Like, yeah. there. Bearing in mind that, like, you know, a, an unreleased game is not going to look good. Like, it's yeah. never going to look good. But yeah. in this case, like, I think that looking past the parts of it that are just obviously unfinished, like some of the animations don't look right, like some of the there's a lack of variety in like enemy models, that sort of thing. It looks ill-conceived. Mm. <laughs> uh, it just sort of looks like they ultimately found some of their ideas about how stealth was going to be to work to be hard or impossible to implement and ultimately scaled them back to the point where the game looks like it had sort of just become a bad shooter. <laughs> and so the level I found was mostly Nova running down corridors and kill and shooting Zerglings. <laughs> just Zerglings. <laughs> Which, again, final game probably would have had more anime variety, but it didn't... Like, the Zerglings did not seem like they had very interesting uh, combat AI. Which, again, also could have changed. Everything in an unreleased game subject to change, but the art direction was pretty dreary. The level design did not look terribly interesting. Uh, after three, four years in development, and especially with a new console generation just around the corner at the time. Like, it was cancelled in 2006. The Xbox 360 had come out by that point. <laughs> uh, I can kind of see why they didn't feel interested in pursuing that further. It's not as funny as some of the other things they've cancelled. but Like the Warcraft Adventure game? Warcraft Adventures. Some videos from that have leaked as well, and they're hilarious. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I will speak no more, but yeah. you can find them. <laughs> well, this, the story they for that exist. is is basically the orc campaign of Warcraft 3, anyway. Yeah, it basically, basically is canon, except for the fact that it's actually just a real-time strategy game. Yeah. You know, like people wanted out of Warcraft in 2001. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just wanted to comment on that due to my burning passion for unreleased product. <laughs> I was say, uh, uh, yeah. So that was. Uh, Sorry, that was that was just news I needed to comment on because it matters to me, and I am aware it's technically neither RPG nor question. Uh, game looked sort of RPG-ish. I think at one point in its development it had RPG elements. I don't think they were in there as of the build that has leaked. I think uh, 
it was it was always a weird proposition because I think at one point they claimed that Nova was going to have the ability to turn invisible, which is, or at least, and to gain the ability to be able to do that for longer, which creates problems for uh, stealth game. Maybe a little too powerful. <laughs> Unrecommended. Okay. Well, random other stuff. Mm-hmm. So there was an old PlayStation game called um, Kiryu Yoma Gakuenki. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, Kiryu was um, the name of the, the school, and it was a, yeah. basically it was a Gakuen Mono school adventure type game with a dungeon crawl based around like Indiana Jones style treasure hunting. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird. Anyway, it's getting remade for the Switch. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, maybe we'll get it this time. You never know. That's weird. Let, let me see if I can get the get the link up here. That does remind me of something that is actually relevant. Uh, so there is a somewhat... Uh, there is a cult classic RPG that just got a fan translation this week. Uh... Not sure if anyone here remembers or is aware of LOL, Lack of Love. That Dude. sounds familiar. Oh, wait a, minute. wait a moment. Is this from Love Adelic? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds exactly like the name they would use. Yeah, okay. Yes, I, I have heard of this one. It's yeah. from the guys who made Moon. Uh, yep. Okay. And it or is... Some of them, it's a very complicated Yeah. with that. Oh, yeah, God. them skip and punchline are all kind of wrapped up together, along with possibly at least one other company. And multiple others. I mean, and like veterans from that original studio made the Tingle games for Nintendo. Yeah, which explains a lot about both of those things. <laughs> yes. And a bunch of other things besides. I mean, back a couple months ago when Famitsu had a special like 30-page thing on Moon, um, they spent two pages just outlining where all these people went to or came from for this studio. And so it's got links to multiple Squaresoft projects from Super Mario RPG to several of the Saga games, um, a couple Zelda games, including the Tingles games, uh, Marvelous whatever, 101. Marvelous AQL or whatever. Oh, I mean, Wonderful 101. Wonderful 101. Bunch of um, Rule of Rose yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that was because I think that's Skip. I think. Yeah, it was just uh, probably Tulip as well. Yeah, but all of these different games had like different companies, different staff here and there, but all the major players intersected on Moon. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, no, no. It was uh, Skip. I believe is the company that became like the Gift Giftopia people. Yeah. Uh, whereas Punchline is the one that went on to make Rule of Rose and Tulip. Uh, if anyone remembers what Tulip Chulip was, it was the PS2 kissing RPG adventure game. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's... Imagine a company's only two games being Rule of Rose, one of the most baffling survival horror games ever made, and... A kissing adventure game. Yep. No, not dating. Kissing. Huh. Yes. <laughs> like there's there is a specific like that is how you gain health and level up. 
and it does not matter who you are kissing. Yeah. Like, it's just full of, like, oh, well, you have to do this to, like, frickin' calm down Godzilla or whatever and then kiss them. Like, that is the kind of thing that you'll be kissing. Like, here's the sewer man. You frickin' calm him down and kiss him. <laughs> True Life is weird. I have just been joined by the world's cutest co-host. All right. Yeah. We are, like, eight to eight and a half kilos and crawling all over. Yay. How, how much does she weigh? Seven. Seven, seven kilos. Okay, I'm... She feels heavier in my arms right now. Yeah, that would be like... Uh... Okay, so fun here. So you're talking about lack of love. Yeah. The, the Famitsu cross-review. The scores were... There was a nine, yeah. an eight, and two sixes. Hmm. <laughs> and that's a very strange spread to have for a game. <laughs> yeah, like, usually you don't see, like... Once you get to, like, three or four point spread, that's like, huh... What happened here? <laughs> Possible yeah. 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 But honestly, that tends to make it tends to mean that you're going to see a game that's at the very least interesting. <laughs> that is a wonderful adjective. Interesting. <laughs> but yeah, so LOL Lack of Love was a Dreamcast uh RPG released in Japan in November of 2000, never released in English, and finally has an English fan translation. Yeah. So, let's see. Lack of Love revolves around the player's control of a single creature placed on an alien planet during robotic terraforming. The player must call the creature to evolve into a new form by communicating with other living creatures, establishing symbiotic relationships with them, and thus helping them. The game is non-linear, lacks a, almost entirely lacks an, a he, um, heads-up display, and requires the player to simply remain alive. This so almost an early survival game. Or eating other creatures, as well as performing various bodily functions, including sleeping and urinating. Huh. Yep. Kind <laughs> of an early survival game, kind of a much stranger thing than that. <laughs> this, yeah, th- this is textbook Levadelic. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that they made that basically no one else would. There's a yes. few games that I'm like looking into to see if they had any like tangential involvement in just because they're that weird. But I think I'm confusing them. Uh, I was con- I think I was confusing them with Saru Brune, which uh-huh. I don't think is related. Yeah, Saru Brune made uh, Cubivore, uh, known in Japan I think as uh, Animal Leader. And they also made Jungle Park. Yeah, it's a very strange PS One and Saturn game. Yeah, Saru Brune can uh, has the same spirit of being relentlessly weird, but not in the same ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> So if that sounds interesting to you, you know, maybe uh, find a way to make that work for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, un, uh, as it turns out, they are unrelated, but Cubivore, or I guess uh, the actual Japanese title was literally Dobutsu Bancho. But, uh, Actually, I recognize that one now. Okay, but no. Yeah. 
uh, is also a very strange game that is probably worth trying at least once. That one's super rare, by the way, at least in English. Mm. Published by Atlas, one of their very few GameCube games. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. Uh, that, I, I just felt like anything Lovadelic has to... Uh, had a hand in is probably worth highlighting at least once. Just uh, to see what the heck they end up doing. Yeah, this is also... Because I, I cannot stress enough that in Moon, not only do you get the feeling that the developers were on LSD, but there's at least one quest line that requires you to take shrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this kind of also means that the only thing of theirs that won't be available in English, they only made three games that I'm aware of. Only three uh, games for Lovadelic, but yeah, we're kind of we're, we've kind of been mentioning several other games that were made by their um, what's the word descendant um, studios. Yeah, a lot of their descendant studio games actually did get localized. Uh, Strangely enough, uh, yeah, like both of Punchline's games happened. Uh, oh, did they have? Let me just uh, just it, the other one's called UFO. Yeah, UFO, A Day in the Life. Uh, Skip's games came over for the most part. Uh, like they, The only one of theirs that really didn't come over was uh, Gift Pia and Captain Rainbow. But most of the rest of theirs, like... Uh, so Indonesia never came out in English, I think. Mm, yeah. Let's see... But like they're they're like I think the bit generations eventually got localized. All the art style games, uh, they did Chibi Robo, which had a few entries. You can kind of uh, get that same sort of weirdness out of them with Chibi Robo, actually. <laughs> Just refined through a Nintendo lens. But still a very idiosyncratic game. But yeah, the. Uh, the ones that we never got at this stage primarily consist of uh, Giftpia, Captain Rainbow, which I believe has a fan translation, UFO A Day in the Life. Which, uh... Oh, it, uh, it's odd, like all of them. <laughs> okay, so out of that huge two-page spread of, like, family tree games... I'm, Contact was on there too. Oh man, they did. Oh, that explains some things. <laughs> yeah, um, several of the people from Lovadelic ended up on that studio for a while too. That makes sense to me. I think that was Grasshopper. Yes, that was a Grasshopper game. That's very much a studio that would be willing to go along with their kind of weirdness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I remember people seeing previews for that in English and saying that it looked like Earthbound, and they were very wrong because it was a very different grade of being completely bizarre. <laughs> mm -hmm. Another one published by Atlas. And, oh man, I didn't realize how badly Contact sold in Japan. <laughs> That bad? Uh, well, the DS game in 2006 selling a lifetime of 25,000 units is not doing well. Mm. Well, one of them was my copy. And it, was, yeah. it was a game. 
it happened. It was a game that should have been twice as long as it actually was, because it kind of ended at the halfway point of the story. Yeah. It's like, imagine if Final Fantasy VI ended with the confrontation on the floating continent. That would have been weird. Yes, that's pretty much how Contact ended. <laughs> it's like, you've got the revelation of the true villain of the story, and then it drops. One of the leads on that one, uh, the director, Akira Ueda, apparently wanted to make a sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, when asked in 2011 about a sequel, Ueda, Ueda responded that he was ready to work with Suda on a follow-up game despite the original's lack of success. Regardless of the business aspect of making a sequel, I think the world would be would be a better place if there was another contact game in existence. <laughs> and that there is also very much Lovadelic's philosophy yeah like let's not think about business would the game world be better for this strangeness to exist <laughs> yeah i respect that <laughs> yeah hopefully uh hopefully we can have a good time with moon <laughs> i'm just waiting to hear for when it, the english version comes out Well, uh, I mean, I think, uh, I know Tim Rogers was the one who was leading the translation on that. And I think and best he, of luck to him. I think he just, uh, I think to recall he just quit his job at Kotaku, so he probably has more time to work on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, guess we'll see. It's just good to know that it's happening at all. <laughs> it's inc- just ridiculously amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was a long time where that was like one of the pipe dream games. Where it was just like, yeah, it'd be nice if that was going to happen. It's not, but it'd be nice. <laughs> okay, here's a different thing, Wheels. Um, so Square Enix is doing another theatrical production. Ooh. Square. Saga the Stage, the promised Mardius. What? It's this is actually the third time that they've done a stage production based on Romancing Saga. Really? Oh, yeah. so this is based on uh, I was go- first going to ask what is this specifically based on if anything. <laughs> Mardius is the world in Romancing yeah. Saga 1. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, next November in Tokyo and Osaka. And uh, prices for seats start at about about seventy five dollars for the nosebleed section. <laughs> well, hope has, hope they have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but it's um, yep, it is definitely based on Romancing Saga One. Yeah, funny how that works. I mean, so the character cast list is like, okay, that's protagonist, 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 all the way down to Jamil, and then the villain. The most beloved. And then Milza and Dark, and Dark was a new character for the PlayStation 2 game, so. Well, that's the most up-to-date one, I guess. Yep. Certainly the prettier one. Yeah. And more finished. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, more finished. Not completely finished, just more finished. No game is ever finished, but it's more finished. Yes. I mean, that is his philosophy there. I think it's a healthy philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I uh, think I'm running. I have run out of just random things to comment. <laughs> uh, I'm searching through Dengeki's website just right now just to see what I can find. I mean, that's a good choice. Up and having to get through all the random stuff. It's probably a lot of stuff that wouldn't be terribly relevant to our interests. Yeah. But, um, let's see. Trials of Mana Orchestral Concert. Um, last Friday. Oh, no, no. Never mind. Never mind. The Tickets went on sale last Friday. <laughs> okay. Okay, I was like, that's all things short notice. Um, the, sh- um, the show itself is May 10th. Hmm. Yeah. In Tokyo, again. Yeah. So. Okay. So yes, Japan's getting all the very interesting um, performance stuff again. Yeah, yeah. Like it's one of those things that I've like gotten used to putting out of my head because it's like there's no nothing even resembling localization forthcoming for any of that. It's like drama CDs. <laughs> just uh, just something you got to get used to. <laughs> And then stuff from Project Egg. Oh, man. So we've got the Legends of Star Arthur, which I've never heard of before. Mm-hmm. Not even sure what kind of game it's supposed to be. Adventure game, it says. Yeah, we and should maybe uh, clarify what Project Egg is. <laughs> Project Egg is a... I'm not even sure if you can describe it as a company or something, but they it's kind like of... A refurbish and emulate really old PC Engine games. Yeah, PC Engine, MSX, I think there's like some PC98 stuff there as well. If you have any idea what FM7 is, I'm... It is a predecessor to the, like, the the one that English speakers who are particularly nerdy might have heard of is the FM Towns Marty, but it's it's one of those old, uh, one of those very old Japanese computers. Yeah. Like, you're getting in the same realm as, like, the Atari 800 at that point. Well, the the, the copyright date is 1983. Yeah, yeah. So, you know... For the first game, yeah. So Maybe moving up to, like, the frickin' Commodore 64 at that stage, but it depends. Let's see, it uses a yep. 6809. Yep. And then the next one is the Hydlide series. The... Hmm. So the original game, both PC-8801 and the FM-7 versions. Mm-hmm. Then Hydlight 2, again, both versions. Hydlight 3, both versions, including special version. Hmm. So I never played Hydlight. I'm kind of curious to see why Hydlight 3 is called the Space Memories. I know why. It is a weird game. Very weird. And Hydlight special for Famicom. 
Yep, that's uh... okay. So, so to give people maybe some degree of context for what you're looking at when you're thinking of the FM7, you're looking at a computer that's got the same uh, internal guts to it as the TRS-80 color computer, <laughs> sometimes known as the Tandy. But uh, yeah, so like real early computers um but yeah the uh the highlight series is fascinating because like they're very obviously very influential and very innovative and by the time any of them got released in the u.s they were so crusty and ancient that the only thing they're remembered for is that game is terrible <laughs> then the next series here is I think I'm reading this right as Mugen no Shinzo. Because hmm. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce those first two kanji together properly, but it translates as a literal heart of hallucination. Mm. I'm not talking about heart as in the like concept of core or heart here. I'm talking about the physical organ. Yeah. Is the kanji that they're using here. Hmm. Yeah, it's one, two, and three. All for PC8801. Holidays would probably be fascinating to try. I don't think it's actually possible to sign up for Egg without a Japanese credit card, but it would be interesting. And then the next one's called the Crimson Series hmm. from 1987. Same company as the first as the one before that. Um, Crimson One, Crimson Two, Crimson Three, Runeworth, hmm. which was a some. Um, same folks who made Hydlide, but it's their action RPG here. Hmm. Oh, T and E Soft. Yeah, T and E Soft. So Runeworth, um, the Hydlide is kind of an action RPG, but so let's see. The first one is like the Nobleman in Black, mm -hmm. and then the second one the title is similar to the Divine Wharfs Time and Space. And the third one is... I'm not even going to try and figure out what that actually translates as, but it's um, God, Holiness, Record, Light, and something. <laughs> a lot of different kanji at play here, but they yeah. all kind of fit together. <laughs> yep. Let's see. So uh, just just for a bit more highlight background for why it was a very important, innovative game in Japan and a very crusty, ancient game in English. <laughs> Uh, Highlight's original release was on the NEC 6001, which is a very, very old computer. Very, very, very old computer. Uh, released in 1981. Uh, yeah, this is one of the systems that's so old that it's part of the reason why Japan does not allow game rentals. Yeah, like that old. Uh, yeah. So the PC 6001 uh, 6001 uh, in 1984 when the concept of like an action RPG basically barely existed and like the closest direct antecedent you would get is something like Druaga uh, Rogue yeah well, I, I mean in terms of Japanese games but yeah Rogue definitely as well uh, but uh, and uh, released on the Famicom as Highlight Special in 1986. 
it didn't come to America until like <laughs> mid nineteen eighty nine. Which means that by that point the it game was, <laughs> it was like five or so years old and it was not like it was primitive compared to the original Legend of Zelda. And the original Legend of Zelda was three years old by that point. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So it was not the right time. Uh, we never got any version of Hydlite Two, and we got Hydlite Three: The Space Memories as Super Hydlite, ah, which was a early Genesis game that was also just hella old by the time we got it, because it was released in 1987 in Japan and like 1990 or so. Yeah, April 1990. Okay, um, going down the list of a series I've never heard of here, Laydoff. Which, if this if this picture is actually representative of the graphics, then that is very surprising. I really doubt that a game from 85 would have that kind of 3D rendering. Um, yeah, probably <laughs> But, uh, and yeah. But yeah, so, uh, if you did not see it uh, buried deep in the late night blocks of the most recent uh, Awesome Games Done Quick was someone speedrunning Super Highlight. Uh, there's a lot to be confused about in that game, and it might be worth tracking down that run just to gawk at its truly bizarre gameplay. There we go, Laydock. This, this looks a lot like a game I played called Sylphid. Oh, Sophie. Interesting. I mean, it's a that kind of shoot. Yeah, yeah. Like Sophie had sort of like a weird pseudo three D perspective. Kind of. Let's see. Go for here. Although I'm usually thinking of like the. Yeah, yeah. Just imagine a uh, an early primitive version of some of the better shooters. Yeah. Uh, Wheels, signs of life. Are you still there? Technically, yes. Okay, we should probably stop now before Wheels dies. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, what time is it over there, Wheels? Uh, approaching one o'clock. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we need to let you have some sleep. Yes. If you guys want to hear more of us rambling like this, well. Don't send more questions, but please, please send more questions. Uh, <laughs> you don't want you don't want to deal with this again. You don't uh, want us to be doing deep dives of gaming news to see what very odd, interesting things we can talk about. You don't want to hear about how I've been re- like by next week. I'll have probably been reading about the N sixty four DD and know and be able to recite something stupid about all seven of its games. So you don't want to hear that either. Send us questions, uh, or I will sing the th- the theme song to Snack World. Sing it anyway. No, we all no, want to hear songs about pork chops. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think I know why they would have a song about pork chops. Do tell. Because Japanese, the word is tonkatsu, and katsu is a oh. homophone for to win. Oh, That's the only explanation for a game like that, for a game called Snack World, to have a song about pork chops at the beginning. It's, they're trying to make a joke on winning in Japanese, I and then somebody it. translates it literally. 
god. But yeah, please please send questions or Wheels will do that. He might do it anyway, but this doesn't work as a threat if you believe that. So yeah. So anyway, the world's cutest co-host is starting to get fussy over there, so I'm going to sign off and go play with her. Right. Okay. Have a good time. Yep. Get some sleep. There you go. Uh, questions in the usual places, Discord or the comments section. Either is acceptable. Uh, you can also sometimes shout them at wheels in the Twitch stream that inevitably accompanies this. But you know, that's always a that's always a dangerous path to be taking. <laughs> um, so just okay. just uh, cover all your bases. Put the question everywhere. We'll find it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Graffiti it on your local lawn. <laughs> Don't maybe don't do that. I was gonna say that'll get somebody's attention, but not ours. It might be if it's Wheels's. <laughs> they'd have to find. They'd have to know his address in the first place. Uh-huh. I can't believe I have to dox Wheels now. Get off my lawn, children. Seriously, do get off his lawn. Um, but yeah. So questions in the usual places and otherwise, we will see you, Space Cowboys. See you.